0: Coming off his first full season of covering the Patriots for WEEI, Kyrie Thompson has decided to give me some more of his time as he's a good guy, good reporter. How are we feeling
1: today, Kyrie? Oh, uh, you know, that whole uh, dad life, obviously, is, uh, you know, sapping the energy a little bit, Um, but from Patriots land and just football world, a lot of energy happened, a a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, Not just from the perspective of what other teams have and what they're doing that the Patriots don't have and don't do, but what the Patriots could eventually have in a couple of months. That's the
0: thing. That's the thing. Because obviously yesterday the salary cap for next year came out and in the list, everyone's going through the top 10 teams. Guess who's right there at number five? Because I know... I know you're a Chicago guy originally, but you cover the, and they were number one and then the Falcons are two, but I actually just posted this on Twitter, like while you were doing bedtime that it's the Giants, Bengals and Patriots in that three, four, five that truly intrigued me. Cause those are the teams where look, one little move can make you a world of a different grade. Like I don't see the bears or the Falcons going on like the, that 2021 Patriots spending spree. If you get my, get what I'm saying.
1: Well, the Bears kind of have to, because there's a minimum threshold that they have to spend. So they are probably going to have to go ham in order to to make it work, whether that's a splash move or two or adding a bunch of players. So they are going to have to spend a lot of that 80-ish million dollars they have in effective cap. Because what you mentioned, right, so they're, they're number five in cap space. So technically they're sixth in total cap space, but they are fifth. In effective cap space, and what that takes into account is future expenses that will eventually come out of your pocket, like, for example, signing your rookie class uh, yes. in the draft. Now, and and then that also means for for other clubs, uh, particularly if you have high picks, that means more cap hits, you know, going to uh, your your rookie class. Like if you got the number one pick or the number two pick, like the Texans, because the Texans were are you know ahead in total cap space right now but they have a little bit more going on in terms of future money than the Patriots do. So, uh, it, it's, it's going to be very interesting because you can do a lot with that money. And I do expect that you're going to see some extension talk. I would think that they're probably weighing extending guys like Kyle Duggar or, uh, you know, Josh Uche potentially, I think Duggar's a definite, yeah. um, but then maybe you're, you're thinking about bringing back a Jonathan Jones, right? Because you don't want to leave your cupboard completely bare at cornerback. So there are some veterans that are going to be available. And then there are also going to be some veterans they are going to think about letting go. I mean, it happens every single year. Somebody you think, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll totally be around. Kyle Van Noy was kind of a, a surprise, right, last year where you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, he signed a multi-year deal. But then they slash him after one year to move in a different direction at linebacker. So there are. There are some things they could do to create even more cap space. And I do think that it's tough to project, really, because I think that they have have avenues to get better. The question is, how are they going to get better? Are they going to do it with a big trade and you pay big money to one guy or you make a big signing or two? Or you do it the way that you did it kind of in 2021, where you're increasing the floor of the team with a bunch of good players? And then trying to coach more out of them.
0: I'm just going to go back to what I said earlier when I said about the Bears and the, the Falcons. I mean, like, yes, they're going to spend their money, but I don't see them going out there and, you know, grabbing all these players like the Patriots did. I can see a couple of splash players, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they're going to have a team that's going to go from 3 and 14 to, say, winning the NFC North next year. In that sense, like how the Patriots went from a mediocre 7 and 9 when they really shouldn't have been 7 and 9. They should have been 4 and 12 in 2020 to a 10 and 7 playoff team even if they did get smoked in the wild card game yeah it's like what Um, you're hoping for is like the
1: jaguars right where the jaguars were the number one pick uh you know last year worst team in the league and then they sneak into the wild card right you could you could you do do that kind of thing or even the eagles to a to a different extent where they were eh two years ago and then they made the they kind of backdoored into the playoffs last year and then this year they're winning the nfc and, and they're in the super bowl now but i mean there, there are levels to it but yeah. the, absolutely i i think that especially when you look at those teams right the falcons the bears what have you the patriots again their floor is higher yes. already yeah. so, so so they don't have as far to go to be a playoff team the question is again just going to be in this afc in particular where you got all these loaded teams and And uh, you know, amazing quarterbacks and in a tough division, a tough division. How can you take that next step from a talent standpoint? Because the Patriots are not that far away from being a playoff team, but they are kind of far away from being a a contender, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's how I always had it. Like from the Mac Jones plan, where twenty twenty one kind of was an exceeding of expectations to where twenty twenty two. I'm not going to say. They failed my expectations because I always had them in that like my worst case scenario for them was eight and nine anyway. And best case was like eleven and six, doing like what the New York Giants did this past season. You know, you get an upset in the wild card round and then you lose in the divisional round. So for there, the way I look at it for this year is hey, get in the playoffs and then hopefully you can be that upset team. Um, I'm also gonna give you, by the way, when you go back to extension candidates, one I have in mind is Matthew Judon as well mm. and a cut candidate is Trent Brown. I know tackle is going to be a thing of need because Isaiah wins, obviously going to walk, but Brown's dead cap is only 1.25. So that's just something to consider where like last year, if they were to cut Nelson Aguilar, I think the dead cap was going to be like seven or $8 million. So I think something at like 1.25 is manageable or you trade it to someone as like a dump off where you get like, I don't know, like what the Patriots got for Brown originally back in 2021. Um, And then as it goes for spending and stuff like that, my priority in free agency, when I look at it, I always thought, you know what, go get like the corners, receivers, obviously weak, that'd be a trade. But my big thing is beef up the offensive line in free agency and then worry about your cornerbacks and your safeties come draft time. I'm not saying ignore the position completely, but I'm just saying if you really want to like divvy the money up, say go push. I don't know, like at least half of it towards the line. And then you can pay your corners less by getting them at, say, four, whether it be 14 or 46 or even finding another gem in the third or fourth round.
1: And see, this is, this is where things get interesting because you brought up Trent Brown. I yeah. noted this in something that I wrote earlier in the week. I'm not necessarily advocating that the Patriots should do this because again, it would kind of present a situation like last year where you're creating holes at spots that you can't really afford to create holes in. But if the Patriots were to say cut Trent Brown and Kendrick Bourne, yes. who is somebody who had himself a tough year last year, and I mean, may- maybe they have a better plan for him this year and they're gonna put all that behind them. But I'm just saying, if if they were to do that, that's 16 million extra dollars that you can then use on somebody else. Now, again, you're, you already, you have to get a tackle. I, I think you have to get a tackle in the draft. Yeah. You already have to be targeting tackle and free agency. So again, that kind of makes that more urgent for you. And I don't necessarily think you want to be in that position, but that is something that you could do. I'm in agreement with you on the offensive line because the offensive line simply has to get better, especially, I mean, it's gotta be better regardless But it especially has to be better for a quarterback like Mac Jones. Yeah. Where, I mean, it's an entire offensive operation. This is the way the Patriots wanted it to be. This is the kind of quarterback, the kind of system they want to run. And it's, it's always interesting when people talk about, you got to get rid of Mac Jones and get, you know, some superstar mobile guy that can run around and extend the play. I don't think the Patriots care about that, not for their team. I don't think they I don't think that matters to them that much. They think that you just you you protect a guy, you get open and you deliver the football and you and and you catch it. I think it's it's yeah. really as simple as that and they think that as long as Mac Jones can do that, I think that they're going to be they're going to be good with that. But the thing is you got to protect him a little bit better than you did last year. I don't think that was a talent issue across the board. I think a lot of that was a communication problem and just the way that they were trying to adjust things on the offensive line in terms of their terminology for protections. I feel like if they go back to what was working for them before, that is going to perhaps be easier and it's going to reduce some of the issues they had. And then maybe from that standpoint, if you think it's mainly a coaching issue that that hindered them last year, Maybe you don't think you need to go out and get the best left tackle on the market, or that you have to go out and take a tackle at number 14. Maybe you think you can just go with solid. I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm just saying that maybe that's something they would think. As far as cornerback, this is where it's interesting, because last year they showed that they could get by with OK at cornerback most of the time. And especially when they're playing terrible quarterbacks, they could definitely get away with it. But when they were playing the good teams and they were playing the really good wide receivers, they got cooked a little bit and you could see what happens when you have Jonathan Jones as your number one cornerback, trying to go up against Jamar chase and Stefan Diggs all the time. Eventually they're yes. Justin Jefferson, eventually they're going to get you. Okay. And I think that overall the defense performed better than it did the year before, but Again, that's just, it's a lot to ask to continue to to be like, okay, let's just be good enough. And then when these other teams just have better players than you, well, we just got to take it off the chin. So I feel like I would like to see them do more at corner than they did last year. They have some solid pieces in that room that that I'd like to see them build on. But I think, yeah, I want to see them invest more heavily in the offensive line And quite frankly, they've got to invest at wide receiver or some kind of playmaker on offense that can go down, catch the football. Maybe you see that in the form of a tight end, but one way or another, you have to get Mac Jones weapons. That is the first, last, most important thing this team has to do this offseason.
0: And my big thing with that, too, is I know everyone's on the DeAndre Hopkins train and I still am if they were to get him great. But I think a lot of Patriots fans have to realize He is not the end-all, be-all option. He is not, you know what, put all your eggs in that basket and hope they can get him. You got to look at some other guys in some troubling situations. One, um, I don't know what Denver's going to be doing at receiver now. We could talk about that later. Um, And there's other teams too. Like a crazy take I have is obviously we know, like we were mentioning, the Bengals are top five in cap, but you have a quarterback and a wide receiver who are due for some very, very hefty paydays. So I'm not. I'm going to throw this one out to you. But doing an A.J. Brown-style trade for, say, T-, T. Higgins, for example, you know, where he might be – I'm not saying he's not going to get paid, but, like, when you compare it to Burrow or Chase, those guys are obviously top priority for the Bengals to lock up. So maybe Higgins either – you know what? Maybe he takes a pay cut and stays with the team, or he, you know, hey, I want out, and then a team like New England calls and gets – maybe that's a pick you trade 14 for, which is okay. But at the same time, too, it's just – one of those things you got to keep your options open because there are a lot of receivers available via trade. It's just you've got to go for who you think is going to help your team win now and also to not be a complete burden
1: on the cap. I mean, that's not a crazy suggestion at all. As a matter of fact, it's one that I think you're seeing a lot of because teams are looking at that situation in Cincinnati and saying you're going to have to back up the Brinks truck all the way. Yeah. All the way up Joe Burrow's driveway. I mean, we're talking fifty million dollars a year, most likely. Yeah. And if you and, and so that's a significant piece of your cap, and yeah, the cap might continue to go up, but that's still a lot of money. Yeah. But then, I mean, like say it goes up to two hundred fifty million dollars, that's still a fifth of your cap right there in Joe Burrow, or a fifth fifth of your 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 money going there, and so you have to look at that, and then look if you're paying one of them, you you got to pay Jamar Chase. I mean, he's clearly the more special talent. And that's not to say T. Higgins is any slouch. I'm just saying Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers in the league. You have to pay that guy. And so to me, there's no way that you can say, basically spend two fifths of your cap or half of your cap on three players. That is not going to work. And so to me, you keep Chase and you keep Burrow, obviously. And then T Higgins, look, you get what you, you get what you can get for him. And I mean, whether that's you trade for him or you get a comp pick or what have you, but I mean, that guy's going to command $20 million a year. Okay. That, that, I mean, that that's where this is trending because you see the, the, the tools, the potential for growth that he has, the size, the jump ball ability, and just the idea that man, you put that guy with a, with a quarterback who can spin it and he could be a number one. So I think that he is going to be potentially available. The price is going to be hefty. So you have to be prepared to serve that up. That's where I think things get a little tough because the Patriots don't like to do that. They'll yeah. trade for Randy Moss when it's a, a day two or day three pick. You know what I mean? They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll do that. They'll trade for six. Right. But when you're talking about, T. Higgins and and potentially you're going to have to give up a first round pick or multiple seconds or, you know, what, what have you, I don't know that the Patriots are going to want to do that on top of then forking over $20 million a year. So that's where the hangup is. But I feel like that is the kind of signing that is the kind of trade that the Patriots do need to make if they're serious about evaluating Mac Jones.
0: Yeah, like even other players that come to mind from that 2020 class. Also, that's the other thing uh, before I get into the rest of the 2020 class. Jefferson's going to change the market too because Justin Jefferson's going to get a contract extension offer this Mm offseason to which Jamar Chase is going to go, hey, I'm just as good if not better than him. So that's just going to reset the wide receiver market all on its own. But when I also look at that 2020 class, obviously, look, the Patriots could have gotten a receiver – but at the same time, too, Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche, the first two picks, they panned out pretty nicely. So I'm not, we're, I'm not like ripping my hair over that. Like I got asked the other day, oh, like the, the Taequann Thornton pick, like should they wait and got George Pickens? I think Thornton's a guy that can come into this lineup and be fine. He's just, look, the fractured collarbone obviously set him back yeah. last season. Um, The other players I was thinking of, potentially, if you wanted to look more of the young guys would be like, you know, let's say a Jerry, Judy, or if the Colts go scorched earth, Michael Pittman Jr., for example, just guys. I'm not saying they're going to be solid wide receiver ones, but they're guys that definitely elevate your wide receiver room. So I think when it comes to wide receiver, this team has options. And I'll say this because this is a take that I want you to hear, and it's a take I've had all the year, that if the Patriots' offense this year was league average,
1: they're a playoff team. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, yeah, I think so. Because look, there were, da- there were a couple of games in which the offense was downright bad, and that cost them. And and I think the defense, I mean, I've heard people say that, oh, yeah, Super Bowl caliber. It was not Super Bowl caliber, but it was playoff caliber. Yeah. That part's true. And I think that, again, even with the talent that they lacked in some areas, they were still good enough to, to be competitive with Buffalo, with Cincy. Right, yeah, they gave up 22 in the first half of that game and could have given up a little bit more in the second half if since he had hit on some of those things, but they they the defense helped keep them in that game by generating points off takeaways. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, they were good enough defensively. They were not good enough offensively. That was painfully clear by, you know, the, the middle of the season that it was just not going to get better that this was this was just the road they were going to have to hoe. And so you would think that this year, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel offensively. They're not going to do anything crazy scheme-wise. It's going to make you be like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. They're going to try and get back to what works. The kinds of things, the kinds of coaching, the kinds of plays that work, that have worked for the New England Patriots for a really long time, and just coach them better than they did last year and have a clear idea, a clear identity for what they want to be offensively. That's it. So I think league average is probably what you're looking at this year, at at least until we see what the personnel is going to look like. If they actually do get some difference makers out there, then maybe you could see, okay, a little bit better than league average. But I think it's really going to test that theory because as long as the defense is okay and that offense is better than it was and just consistent can score in the red zone and doesn't have players being like, yeah, man, we got to scheme up better on third downs and things like that. As long as they don't have that, I think they can be a playoff team.
0: Exactly, exactly. This is a team in 2023, and also having the third-place schedule to which you're going to play the Steelers, the Colts, and the Saints is something that can play into your factor and also can play into the factor of, well, as, you know, just stealing a game or two, because that's something they did in 2021. They stole a couple of games, like how they went to Los Angeles and beat the Chargers, which in 2022 – Like, let's – two prime examples of games they could have had that they lost. Uh, I'm not going to go down the Raider rabbit hole because that will make me mad. But (laughs) the Packers and the Vikings game, those are two games they could have won that they had simple mistakes that cost them. So I think if they can avoid that as well, it's just one of those things that's only going to make you better from here. Um, Actually, I have – there's one other question that's Patriots-Lay that I have for you, and that is, do you have a passport at the moment? Because if not, I think you're going to need it.
1: (laughs) I do. I do indeed.
0: So we'll be seeing you in Germany sometime in 2023.
1: That is apparently going to be a thing. Yes, indeed. Um, I don't know that I will be traveling down there. Um, I'll have to see if the station is up for it because I would do it. I would check it out. Um, But yeah, typically, uh, you know, I stay at home for for the road games, but that that might be an exception. But yeah, I mean, I think that's something that the Patriots are. I, I mean, I don't know if they're they're probably not actually. Uh, excited about it in terms of the players I don't know if they want to go to Germany and have the the time difference and their circadian rhythms thrown off and, and that big wrench thrown into their their uh, you know schedules for the week but I think it's something that the Patriots in terms of Robert Kraft ownership, want to be able to, to do, to showcase their team on foreign soil, help grow the game. Because I think that's Robert Kraft is one of the foremost owners in the national football league. He's highly respected and has pushed for a lot of, of these advancements in terms of getting teams off of us soil. So I think it's going to be really interesting.
0: I think so too. And if I had to pick an opponent right now, I'm going to say either the Colts the commanders or the Eagles. I think it's one of those three that, uh, It'll be just – the Chiefs are the other one I'd go with, but um, the Chiefs are obviously the other German hosts. I just, I just wanted to throw that out there because I didn't know who was going to be sent, even though, fun fact, it is a Patriot home game. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, but shifting gears quickly, just to get off the Patriots for a second, uh, I'm going to bring this up because today, obviously, there was a couple of coaching hires, as we all know. The Denver Broncos hired uh, Sean Payton, and the Houston Texans hired D'Amico Ryan's Or D'Amico Ryan, excuse me. Um When it comes to both hires, like, I like the Sean Payton one in the sense that it's Sean Payton, but I don't know if you're going to get that same magic that he had in New Orleans with Drew Brees immediately, where it's like, they're this force, they're this great team. I could be wrong, but that's just how I view it. And then I I, I view the Ryan's Ryan hire as the same way in the Dan Campbell hire, you know, where it's like, hey, we're going to give him all this time, we're going to see if it works. And then after, say, like year two or year three, if they're still a basement team, it's kind of like, look, this team's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah, I, I I feel like that Texans job, I view it in a similar way to, um, I don't know, it's just some of the other, like the worst teams in the league, honestly, where I'm just kind of like, I, I have to believe it, you know, I have to see it to believe it, rather. I really like D'Amico Ryans, though. I think that he's got that sort of leader of men quality that I think... Gerard Mayo is somebody that, that has been talked about in that in that way. That he just commands a room. People respect him. And he got six years. He got a six-year deal out of that. So he's got he's gonna get paid one way or another. He's got that job security. Uh, I don't I don't think David Culley had that or Lovey Smith had that. So I, I hope that they do right by him. And I feel like part of that is look, D'Amico, I know you really like you're a defensive guy and you know how to do your thing on that side of the ball, but we need to get you a quarterback. Okay. Because we can't be having this quarterback carousel. You are not <laughs> going to be out there trotting Davis mills out there. And if you do, then we're not really serious about keeping you around long-term. We can't have that. Um, so I think that um, I, I, I feel like I wish that it had been a better job opening, yeah. some place I felt like was going to treat him a little bit better. But you know what? Would love to see if he can really turn that program around. As far as the Sean Payton thing, Sean Payton is a better coach, for example, than John Gruden. When yeah. when the Raiders inked John Gruden to that ten year deal, I was like, I don't I don't think he makes it to five. Like not not even close. Not and what did he get? What did he get to? Did he even get to four? Uh, He got to like
0: three and a quarter, actually, excuse me.
1: Three and a quarter before it all went to hell. I feel like that's the kind of thing I could see happening with Sean Payton and the Broncos. Not necessarily because I think that Payton is a bad coach, because again, I think he's better than Gruden. He's not as much of a circus. But I just don't know, man. I, I understand the idea of pairing him with Russ, because look, you invest in all that money in Russell Wilson you you can't get out of that no I mean yeah I mean like people were talking about like oh yeah they could bite the bullet next year if they really wanted to God you're you're gonna bite a mortar you and to bite a bazooka shell you know what I mean like that that's that's not a bullet that's that's a poison pill so you gotta find some way to get the most out of out of that guy and Sean Payton's probably the best option to do something that, that works with, with Russell Wilson. But I'm just thinking to myself, man, if that doesn't work, that is just you invested so much money potentially. I don't even know what Sean Payton's contract is. We're going to find out. But you gave away draft compensation, gave away a first-round pick, and you gave away a 2024 20, pick as well, I, I believe. Yep. And then you're going to pay him north of $10 million probably. He wanted 20 Yep. So Especially if you give him personnel control, you're you're talking about, I mean, like fifteen to twenty million dollars or something like that. You're going to pay him. You're already paying. You already inked Russell Wilson to a two hundred thirty million dollar contract with you know, one hundred sixty guaranteed or whatever. It's like that's so much money. If it all if it all fails, oh my God, they are going to be in the cellar for a minute without any way to get out of it. So. At the same time, we looked at that team last year like they were a playoff team. They had, they had the players to make that happen. So in theory, if you get good coaching and you get Russell Wilson to stop playing like he was playing last year, which I don't even have words to describe what that was. You could talk about Russell Wilson declining over the past couple of years, but that was beyond decline. That guy did yeah. not know which way was up if you can get him playing toward anything, you know, resembling Russell Wilson, then that can be a playoff team.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. Just because, but even when I look at that entire, let alone conference division, like LA and KC are still going to be there, which I always said that when everyone's like, there's going to be four playoff teams in that division. I'm like, no, Kansas City's still going to win the division. And guess where Kansas City is? They're, they're still playing football.
1: So many people were talking about. Oh yeah, I think Kansas City is going to be the team that misses the playoffs cuz oh they got rid of Tyree Kill and I'm like, D- you know who plays quarterback for yeah. them, right?" Like and 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 we've still got people trying to unseat this man as like, "Oh yeah, Joe Burrow, he's the best actual quarterback in the league or, you know, if Joe Burrow wins." No, no, stop it. You see what this dude's doing on one leg? This guy's wild. Okay, they're go- they are going to compete for Super Bowls like every single year Patrick Mahomes is there. I, I don't I don't want to hear nothing more about it
0: the only thing i I just don't want to hear until they actually go out and do it is the dynasty talk they like say even if they yeah. make it there I'm like no my because my quota for a dynasty is a minimum of three titles yeah I'm they like, gotta
1: oh. they gotta win I mean yeah. it's great to get there and and it's it's absolutely something that he should be praised for and the chief should be praised for because look man the, the Patriots are the only franchise that can even look down. Upon the Chiefs. And even that, like, isn't something that that you should do because the Patriots of all teams should know how hard that is to literally be in the AFC Championship every single year. And and to have that be the expectation, Super Bowl or bust, literally every single time, because your guy is that dude. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like that's something that should be appreciated, but at the same time, yeah, I mean. You can't talk about Patrick Mahomes as truly being the greatest quarterback of all time or anything like that until he gets anywhere in Brady's neighborhood in terms of Super Bowl titles. And I mean, look, MVPs, look, that dude, you could probably give him MVP every year if you wanted. You could, thing, you, you, could, you could say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. But again, Aaron Rodgers, more talented than Tom Brady, but he didn't win enough. Simple as that. And there have been too many times in the postseason where he hasn't played well enough. Patrick Mahomes, he is so young in his career that he's going to be, he can sniff that rarefied air of Tom Brady. You could say that he's he's arguably in that realm just in terms of the impact that he has on a team. But he's got to win. You know? And and, I mean, and and again, I can't put that all Patrick Mahomes. He's one dude, right? And it's unfair that we're like, he has to win. It's like the Chiefs gotta win, right? Yeah. But they got, they got to win in order to, to have that be a real conversation.
0: Yeah, because, like, you know, like, I remember after them winning their first one, everyone's going on. They're going to win five. They're going to win six. I still feel like the Patriots, for as much as I love all their titles, created a false narrative in the sense of, hey, this thing is easy to do. When a lot of teams realize oh, it's not easy. Yeah. Like, that's why this year Buffalo got such a rude awakening as, hey, you're not just going to hop, skip and jump from signing Von Miller in March to hoisting the Lombardi and Phoenix come next Sunday. There's all these things that go into a season that when you face adversity, you got to learn to rise up from it. And that's something that Buffalo, like they did and they didn't do. And then it all came in like crashing and tumbling down in their face in the playoffs. But when you have this other, like when you have all these other things, like it's just, it's just wild to see. And also for the next, I'm going to say this for the next week or so for Patriots fans, it's a great time of year because guess what you get to do? I know everyone says like, oh, stop living in the past you get to relive all those titles because every day is like an anniversary of, hey, this Super Bowl appearance or this Super Bowl win or this Super yep. Bowl win. So for that sake, Patriots fans, enjoy it. But for now, look. Oh Sorry, my cat just got the zoomies. Um, <laughs> but all I can say for now is just look. Just look to the future and hope everything gets better, and then we'll go from there. Um, a couple things before we get out of here quickly. Uh, with the Shrine Bowl coming up this Thursday, are there any players that – I know – you you weren't down in Vegas at all, correct? Because I know there's a fair. I, I did share not
1: I did not make it down to Vegas. Tried, mm-hmm. but uh was un, was unsuccessful in doing so.
0: Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. But I'm gonna ask, is there any players that you've seen from the practice film or anything like that, or any players that are in the actual game come Thursday night that you have your eye on as either potential fits for the Patriots or players that just stood out to you in a sense?
1: Number one, Zay Flowers. Really want that guy of on his team. I mean, not just because he's a local product, but because he is... He can fly. He can fly, and he's one of the best route runners and separators in the class. Yeah, he's going to measure a little small, five nine, you know, 180 pounds-ish, right? But, I mean, the dude, just the way he moves out there, it's its unfair to these Shrine Bowl cornerbacks to have to try to cover that man. I mean, he's something else. I, I mean, I've said it before. I, I'm not shy about saying this. When I watch him run around, he reminds me of a baby Antonio Brown. Like like the, the way that he just, just picks him up and puts him down, the suddenness of his movements, like his stride, the, the gait, like it reminds me of Brown. And then he's got some little discount Jalen Waddle explosiveness, the way that he, just, he gets get the ball and then he just hits the gas pedal and you're like, oh, okay, this guy gets up to speed fast. So there's one. And then I also think there are a couple of running backs here. And, and this is something that last year around the combine when I was down there, I was talking to, to somebody uh, who, who works in, in local media. And I suggested the Patriots were going to draft a running back potentially because, hey, uh, you got Damian Harris could potentially leave town next year. And like, no way, they're not going to draft a running back. They've only got, what, six picks in the draft or whatever. And I was like, I should have told them they were going to draft two because <laughs> look at that. And and the thing is, you might lose Damian Harris. And then also the depth behind Ramondre Stevenson is not very strong. And you saw what that did to the Patriots this year. I think you might want, you might see another running back get picked up in free agency. Like Rex Burkhead is available, like somebody like that, right? A veteran, but a more explosive talent potentially at the running back position in the draft. And I think they've got a couple of guys down there on that West team that are interesting. There, there's Kazmir Allen, who is is out of UCLA. He's a little hybrid running back wide receiver type, which they kind of experimented with that with Ty Montgomery this year. Real track speed, like 10-4 in the 100 kind of track speed. You're not catching that dude. And of course, the positional versatility is really interesting. And then if you want somebody who's a little bit more traditional, a little bit more just straight up, hey, that guy can step in and be a running back for you. There's Mohamed Ibrahim, of Minnesota. He had 1,600 yards last year. He is a thick, sturdy dude with good vision who can just, you you can just tote the rock just straight up. You know, he's not going to necessarily run away from people. Then again, neither is Ramondre Stevenson most of the time, but you want somebody to to take some of the beating off of Ramondre so that he can do what he does in in terms of catching the ball and in pass pro and, and, you know, running the ball himself. I really like Ibrahim as a possibility in the middle rounds.
0: I, I I like Ibrahim Ibrahim too. I from Minnesota like he's a really good running back, like he said. Um, but even when it comes to last year, I always kind of said the same thing with Damian Harris. I'm on the train that I think he's off the Patriots this year unless he signs for cheap. Just because it's one of those things where someone's just going to offer him money and he's going to go, kind of like Isaiah Win. But at the same time, too, I feel like that Cardinals game was kind of the nail in the coffin for him, where we saw, look, Kevin Harris can run. Pierre Strong has the speed. So even if they bring in someone else then to re- not replace Damian Harris, and as well, actually, yeah, let's put it, call it a call it spade a spade. Replace Damian Harris, someone who can take the workload off of Ramondre Stevenson because they ran him into the ground last year. And by the time December came around, he, not saying he was effective, but it's kind of like, look, he kind of ran out of gas. So if you can get someone that you know what's going to take the load off of Ramondre, that's the biggest thing to look at for when it comes to this team in 2023. Um, and then the senior bowl obviously is another one to watch out for. So, Patriot fans, I know these games aren't exactly the enticing ones, and it's not I'm gonna call it, call it as it is as well. The underwear Olympics, where I assume you'll be at uh, Saint, I believe it's Saint Elmo's Steakhouse in downtown Indianapolis, where oh, all the boy. reporters go.
1: Mm-hmm. I've yeah, never, I mean, I've there, never there, are, there are a couple of different places. I saw Andy Reid. Out there, uh, walking around and, and and uh, you know, getting down at one of the places across the way as well. There are a bunch of steakhouses, honestly. There's one on every corner in Indy.
0: I've just heard this, I've just heard about St. Elmo's just from all the reporters and stuff like that. So that's the one that I always go to where I'm like, I hear a lot of stories It's like where all the writers go, it's where all like the reporters, like yourself, and even like, like you said, how you see coaches getting down there and stuff like that. So, you know what, this is the time of year to pay attention because it's like, oh, how do we get better? Learn these guys who are going to be taken on Friday and Saturday because I have one saying with the draft you can hit on a day one pick, great. If you can hit on multiples on Friday and Saturday, that's where you truly win a draft. Like if you look at 2021, Christian Barmore, day two, Ramondre Stevenson, day two. For the love of God, I want to see Ronnie Perkins hit on day two, a uh, day, uh, Madre, yeah. day three. Even this year, Pierre Strong, Bailey Zappi. I know people are like, Oh, the Patriots draft a quarterback. People are laughing at that. He ended up mattering, didn't he? He ended up mattering, but at the same time, too, he's a guy that when your name, when his name is called, you can trust him. And even in his post, in his end of season press conference, I saw that there's some mechanical stuff he wants to work on. You want to see your backup work on that stuff, so that, God forbid, knock on wood, Matt gets hurt again, you have a backup you can trust and rely upon. So it's just one of those things where Matt Grohl. I'm going to trust Matt. I'm going to trust his analysis. I'm going to trust his drafting skills because obviously he's better than you or I. But you know what? We've got three months of excitement because I always say this too at the NFL. It's the one sport that doesn't stop. It's a year-round thing. Like how it's like, oh, the Super Bowl is going on and the Pro Bowl, which I want to check out even though I'm a sicko. But that's just because it it, it looks interesting. Like I'll watch it and then I'll be like, yeah, you know what? Turn it off. But um, once the games are done, that's when the important stuff matters. Obviously, it sucks for seven months, but it is what it is. Um, But one last question I have to ask you because it is the time of year and I know we're 12 days out. Philadelphia, Kansas City, when it comes down to the brass tacks of everything next Sunday in Glendale, Arizona, which, by the way, the Patriots also are tied for the same amount of wins as those teams in Phoenix. Mm. (laughs) Who do you have winning the Super Bowl next Sunday night?
1: I am going to say the Eagles. The reason being that... I think, I mean, the Eagles are, I think, the better team, top to bottom. I think Patrick Mahomes, is st- he's clearly not 100%. I mean, yeah, he was walking great or whatever um, early in the week and, you know, walking around, good to start the game. But then when it started moving, it started getting going and he was scrambling out of the pocket and running around for his life. I mean, that guy was was hurting, okay? And then you throw in the fact that Travis Kelsey wasn't 100%. And the fact that they they were missing a bunch of receivers. I mean, it got kind of tough for them a little bit in terms of getting getting open, getting separation. It was not easy for Mahomes in that game. And obviously, credit to him for being able to battle through that. And I mean, okay, look, you can you could talk about, oh yeah, it was rigged and they robbed the Bengals or whatever, but I'll tell you what, Patrick Mahomes made the plays in crunch time that the Bengals could not. So yep. there, so there, there's that. Bengals could have made it not matter. And they didn't, but Patrick Mahomes did. Um, I do think though, that the Eagles are, are the better team and they they are a bit healthier at this point. So I'm going to give them the edge. Now, the, the question is just going to be, I think it's going to be one up front in the trenches because the Eagles have quite possibly the best offensive line oh, in yeah. football. Um, I mean, Okay, they have the best offensive line in football. Um, Chris
0: Jones, I don't think, is going to have the game he had on Sunday.
1: No, but Chris Jones is really good. And so you neutralize that guy. You run the ball. You control the clock. Whether it's running the ball with Miles Sanders or Jalen Hurts getting in the act or whatever, keeping Jalen Hurts clean, giving him time to survey, to scramble, what have you. And then just giving your guys time to get open. I feel like the Eagles... Just, I feel like they have the edge here of course you've got Patrick Mahomes but I feel like we've already seen that Patrick Mahomes cannot just put on the Superman cape every single time he tries but he can do it every single time and especially if he's not 100 percent
0: the other thing to look at too for this game is guys like Hassan Reddick and how he got the Brock Purdy obviously <laughs> he Brock Purdy but that I'm, guy's a, that guy's an
1: absolute menace
0: him, Brandon Graham, there's just all these guys on Philly's defense that will get to the quarterback. So that's my big thing because I say that was Sunday for as good as Patrick Mahomes was in that game. Chris Jones was the real just brick house. He's, real MVP. he's
1: the
0: real I say that he's the reason why they're playing next Sunday. I don't, and also, too, um, hopefully the Kansas City Chiefs learned from San Francisco's mistakes. Don't put your tight ends on Hassan Reddick. Get your line guys, get Orlando Brown, get your Andrew Wiley's, get those guys blocking Reddick Because if you can neutralize Reddick, I a hundred percent agree with you. This game is going to be one within the trenches because I'm not, I'm going to obviously for my hosting sake, I'm going to pick the winner on the very last podcast guys before the Super Bowl, just because Kyrie and I probably won't talk between now and then. So I just had to ask, I'm going to do it with every person that comes on, but that's where I look at it. The only places I give the advantages to Philly is quarterback and tight end. I'm not taking away from Hertz or Goddard. It's just Kelsey and Mahomes are up here. And the other thing I'll say about Mahomes, cortisone is a hell
1: of a drug. Indeed, it is. I mean, again, when you're when you're running around, and you step on that thing wrong, or uh, you know somebody somebody hits you and it rolls up. I mean, I think you could see some of the some of the the effects of that last week and. I mean, I think the Eagles have the kind of thing they have—they have the personnel to uh, make him run around and make him feel that a little bit more. Exactly,
0: that's the thing because the Eagles will make will force him into uncomfortable situations, and if you force him into uncomfortable situations, I'm not saying it's going to be the game that like was the game against the Buccaneers two years ago, but you want to be Patrick Mahomes, you got to make him uncomfortable. We've seen it with all, all kinds of quarterbacks on Sunday. Perfect example how Joe Burrow was just manhandled by the chiefs defensive line. So you know what we have so far one for the Eagles zero for the chiefs, but that's going to do it guys. If you want to see any of Kyrie's writing, go to weei.com Also listen to the first and Foxborough podcast guys on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see the little thing there, but if you're on podcast, I'm going to be a nice guy and repeat this for you guys at Katie Thompson five, Links will be in the bio for everything. Kyrie, it's been a blast getting to chat with you again. We'll have to do this sometime again in the offseason to see where things go. But Anyway, guys, episode number 210 is in the books. Have a good night. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters.